Well said. Well said. Well said. Well said. Well said. Well spoken. Well said, Robin. Hello and welcome to the Well Said Podcast. My name is Bella and today I am privileged to be able to talk to Peter Bugby. He is going to be giving us some insight on what it looks like to live in a foreign country and what he felt about all that. So welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thanks for having me. So before we get into all the details about what it was like for you to live in the Philippines, what is a family that you would love to be part of? Ooh, I wasn't in my current family. Yeah, like besides your current family. I would say Andrew Peterson. Uh, I He's a bit of one of my heroes. Love his music and his books. I actually met him in person once. Super invited cool. him to stay at my house and eat tacos, <laughs> which he declined. But um, that would probably be a lot of fun. So now getting into all the questions about your life in the Philippines... Could you briefly explain why you were in the Philippines, how old you were, how long you were there, just any information for someone who didn't even know you were in the Philippines? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when I was about 13, my parents said they felt called to be missionaries to the Philippines. I told them I didn't feel called, and we went anyways. And so they, my dad was a teacher in the public schools here in California, and he had become inspired to teach the children of missionaries and so there was a school in the philippines one of the biggest missionary kids schools in the world called faith academy and they had a need for a high school biology teacher and so my dad moved me and my three siblings to manila philippines and how long were you there for i was there for eighth grade and through high school um i was back in the states for a year but yeah i spent all my high school there That's interesting, yeah. I don't think most kids spend their high school in another country. Yes, it was quite the experience, for sure. Uh, How did you, you kind of said that you didn't feel called, but how did you feel about moving to the Philippines? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, if you'd asked anyone, including my family, I, uh, the words livid um, may have come to mind. Frustrated, angry, bitter. I remember we had this going away uh, party at church and my parents, I'm sure, said something spiritual about excitement to see what God would do. And I got up there and then I just started saying, I'm going to miss you all. And then I just broke down and I just started like, like ugly crying in front of like 300 people at this going away thing. And uh, I remember we landed in Manila and we're all jet lagged. We're staying at this. I call it like a halfway house, but it's like a missionary house. <laughs> and uh, I wake up and like at 4 a.m. I'm there writing postcards. And then around 6, 6.30, I walk into my parents' room and I said, I just want to let you guys know you've ruined my life. And then I, uh, really I, I walk out of the room. That. Yep, I did. Wow. So that gives you a little flavor of how I felt about moving. Okay. Uh, so what were your initial expectations about the Philippines? Like, if you didn't even want to move there, what were mm-hmm. what were you thinking it would be like? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd seen pictures. The pictures were green, jungle, basketball courts, lots of uh, rain, monsoon rains. My parents had 
gone, taking a video, showed us this monsoon, the most crazy rain. Um, I had a grandma who lived in Florida. We went there every three years. And so I pictured it kind of like a third world Florida, which actually isn't that far from reality. Okay. Interesting. What surprised you about the Philippines? I think some things that surprised me were the traffic. It was, uh, call it like the driving dance. The lines and lights were suggestions. And it was this weaving dance of the cars. The heat, the kind of the oppressive, humid, diesel-smelling air was was something I kind of hits you as a wall when you get out after a 17-mile flight or a 17-hour flight. I think the lack of, like, enforced laws. So one of my favorite memories was they had these public transportation buses called jeepneys, and they were originally jeeps left behind by the U.S. forces after World War II, and they are converted into these public transportations with two benches facing each other. And you could stand on the back of the jeepneys, almost like standing on the bumper, this ledge of a bumper, and you could hold on to the railing. And just picture like this SUV with like six, seven guys hanging off the back of it and him, the driver, careening around all this traffic. And it's at one point it was raining. I was on the way back from the mall and I'm holding on and I'm just thinking I would never do this in Southern California but this is so fun. Those are some things that surprised me. So, like, that was something that you enjoyed about the Philippines. Yeah, there's a level of freedom. They had a two-story metal slide at Faith Academy, wow. which would have been a lawsuit, you know. At, uh-huh. and so I, I liked some of that, the flexibility to enjoy life and nature. Um, definitely took advantage of it in certain ways, but, yeah. That's cool. You, Like you've said, you did not like being there, but... Did you know people there? How did you meet new people? How did you make friends? Anything like that? Mm -hmm. That that was probably another surprise, too. The the chance to meet friends from all over the world. Uh, Some of my best friends, I had one from Korea, another one from California, another one from Canada. So there's a over... I think it was like 60 missionary agencies represented at the school. There's about 600 students at the school. And so I think I was surprised by the amount of friendship. Now, I did come wearing an orange Hawaiian shirt and puka <laughs> shells. And so for mo- a lot of my eighth grade year, there was some mockery, kind of this, this California surfer. Um, but eventually they, they developed into some sweet friendships. That's good. Um, did you... Do you still stay in contact with anyone? Yeah, I have one that um, I've stayed in touch, you know, over 20 years. His name's Ben, and uh, we taught English together in South Korea between my 8th grade and ninth grade year. Like, I don't know why you would pay somebody to teach <laughs> as an 8th grader to come to a different country and teach your kid English, yeah. but it was a, a great experience. And then he and I sold books door-to-door after high school in Massachusetts, and then about a month ago, I actually saw him on a road trip with my wife and kids up in near San Francisco. That's really neat. Yeah. What was it like for you when you came back to America for the first time since first going to the Philippines? Yes, uh, the return. They, they call it a reverse culture shock. Uh, I remember very distinctly 
being jet lagged and leaving LAX, someone picked me up and being terrified at the speed we were driving. I said, no human being should be driving at the speed after three years, not going over probably 45. Um, that was a little shocking. I think the, the pace of life in, in LA, uh, people are always doing something. It was kind of hard. The amount of choices, you know, you go to the grocery store, there's choices everywhere. Yeah. I think also the um, uh, relationships are a little bit different in, in the U.S. So they say MKs or missionary kids, they're so used to saying goodbyes that they go really deep really fast. And so you meet an MK or a TCK, a third culture kid, and you can immediately start talking to them about their life, their dreams, their interests, their, just everything, right? It's not weird. Well, I tried that when I uh, when I got here for my furlough, my junior year of high school, and people were just looking at me like, "Why are you asking me about my soul, about my, you know, what I want to do in the future?" And uh, I couldn't quite understand why it, it took me a minute to make some good friends. Uh, did you still have established friends from like from America and at church and stuff before? from before you went to the Philippines? Yeah, that's the, that's the interesting. It's almost like, a, I don't know if you've ever seen Forever Young with Mel Gibson with this idea of you're frozen in time and you, you expect everything to be the same when you mm-hmm. come back. And obviously you're the main character in the theater of life. And so it's strange when you come back and all the extras in your mind have like lived their own <laughs> their own narratives. Yeah. And then they aren't just like broken and distraught without you. (laughs) But I did have some friends that stayed, that we stayed in touch during the three years. We came back. It was different. One of my friends walked away from the faith. One of my best friends I played hockey with um, got into drugs. That was a sad one. But then others, it was neat to see that God had continued to cultivate a love for Jesus in them. And we had a really sweet junior. In fact, uh, my now wife was somebody who was from church that I knew before that kind of grew in a friendship that that junior year. That's cool. So from coming back to America, how was your life changed because of being in the Philippines and your bad attitude about being there? Whoa, 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 whoa. Who's who's calling it bad attitude, though? So... Yeah, for sure. The the biggest change was definitely uh, spiritually. So I went not saved. I grew up in a strong Christian home, but it wasn't until my freshman year and I got suspended um, for being dumb and I had accumulated over 20 demerits and eventually I got suspended and my dad asked the principal if he could administer the punishment instead. And uh, so then I had to work in his garden in the humidity for a whole quarter, like 10 hours a week. So the... um, and then they took a lot of the freedoms away. So anyways, that was kind of my low point. And I realized I could fake it and I could just act like I'm changing on the inside. So mm-hmm. I get all my stuff back. And God, in his kindness, said, essentially, you're a sinner. You uh, were depressed beforehand. There was no joy. You lived this fake life seeking man's approval. And um, just laughter was my drug, right, if I could make someone laugh in class. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot. And the teacher didn't find the same appreciation <laughs> that my friends did. But yeah, God in his kindness showed me the beauty of Christ. And so then coming back for junior year, I went, it's funny, you know, I stayed 
there was a moment my parents had to go do training on the East Coast. And our pastor, our then pastor and his wife, kind of, because the host home I was going to stay with um, fell through at the last minute, they reluctantly offered their home more as like, this is the cross I will bear because they remembered me when I left. Mm-hmm. And the, the pastor's wife will tell you she was a little uh, scared to have me uh, stay with them because I was, I was self-absorbed and mm-hmm. pretty much a brat when I left. And God in his kindness was beginning to change me. And, and so, um, yeah, I, th- I think in terms of a foreign country, living in a foreign country, there's a, an appreciation for how blessed you are to live in America. The, a lot of the people in the Philippines, you know, we'd, we would drive to school every day and we'd drive through the squatter village back on this road called Tok Tok Road. And there's people, kids playing in the dirt, um, mangy dogs, unpaved roads, and and uh, just a whole another way of, of life. And yet, a lot of them were, um, at least on the surface, a pleasure and basics like friendship and basketball. Though they often didn't score. This was one of our favorite <laughs> things. When you drive by a basketball hoop in the Philippines, it doesn't matter if the ball goes in the hoop. <laughs> It's all about hang time. Uh-huh. And so you just see these guys just fully outstretched. And then at the last minute, they would flick the ball. And it didn't matter just as long as they would soar through the air. <laughs> it's just a, a, vis- a visual as I was talking about that, um, those back roads. Wow. I, I love that um, your testimony of going there unsaved and then coming back and how God worked in your life even when you weren't really happy to be there. So that's Mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah. What were like the biggest challenges that you faced? Yeah, the biggest challenge is how do you, um, I think the overarching one is what's my identity, Mm -hmm. right? So every time you move into a new, either a new church, a new state, a new school, there's that wrestling of what's my identity. And when you're not saved, all you have is kind of what's on the outside. So yeah. it's either what you dress or the jokes or who you hang out with. I remember we would go watch movies for 50 pesos at Santa Lucia East Grand Mall. And nobody wanted to sit on the outside. And so we'd go like four or five guys and we would fight and like push and everyone would try to get in the middle because nobody wanted to sit uh-huh. on the outskirts. You felt like the outsider. And that's like a good metaphor for all of life for eighth uh-huh. grade, ninth grade year. And so, yeah, I think this is the challenges is, you know, developing an identity and, and trying to find your joy in things that don't matter. And then um, challenges beyond that is what does it look like to walk, walk with the Lord, um, to love his word, especially when friends that you had before you were saved suddenly don't really like the, you know, the, the post saved uh, Peter. Yeah. What do you wish that you had known before you had gone to the Philippines? Mm. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, they, uh, it's hard. If people ask, you know, how do I prepare to either visit or live in a different country? I think it's the, the heart attitude that if you can develop a, a love of life, a love of people, a love of God, a contentment in simple things then it allows you to work through the, you know, the inconveniences of driving through 
Marcos Highway with water halfway up your door because the sewage is backing up and it's flooded and you just you just learn to enjoy the ride yeah your attitude probably wasn't the right Mm -hmm. attitude so how do you think that you could have changed that and your perspective on going there yeah I think the um it's the the give versus take mentality Uh right so if if people go on a vacation or go into missions even or or whatever, that if I had an attitude like, I just think of Mark ten forty five where it says, even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, that if you have the mindset of a servant, then one, if you're treated like a servant, you're not surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then two is you find a certain joy and pleasure in... Um, seeking ways to serve others just like your master, King Jesus. And so I think if if I had had that mindset going in, one, I would have appreciated it. It wasn't until my senior year that I actually started kind of opening my eyes to the beauty of the Philippines as a land. They have 7,000 islands, just gorgeous beauty. We started to travel as friends. We went camping. We uh, went up to the northern coast and surfed. I, I tried to surf. I couldn't surf. Um <laughs> The, the people, the relationships in our neighborhoods, the non-expat relationships. I remember my senior year, we had our psychology prof would minister to this uh, squatter village down in the heart of Manila. And uh, I was really curious, so I, I visited once. And they would take us through these winding, winding streets after a long jeepney ride. And... and she eventually convinced me to bring my guitar and teach them guitar, which is really funny because I only knew like five chords. <laughs> and But going into the heart of this squatter village and meeting people and, and seeing the joy of the kids and interacting and playing recorders and, mm-hmm. and guitar with them was really fun. It showed me these, these layers of the Philippines that you don't see when you're just going from an expat school to watch American movies at the mall to expat homes right you you miss some of the Uh the richness of the philippines for what it is thinking back what would you Mm. have wished maybe you had done differently yeah i think there's a lot of the uh the carpe diem right the the seize the day mentality Uh mixed with a spiritual surrender i think those two after being saved there's been some really neat experiences And often some of the hardest, I mean, you probably think through your life, like some of your most vivid memories probably Mm -hmm. had a bit of suffering in them. Yeah. I still remember we were camping with some international students in Yosemite once and a hailstorm came in and my now wife, then friend becoming more than a friend, Vanessa, uh, we had to rig up this gray tarp and Vanessa's trying to cook fajitas beneath this tarp and... And we felt a little bit like heroes for a minute until I realized that the way I'd set up the tarp, all the rain runoff was running straight towards the girls' tent. Oh, no. And so we're, like, laughing and we're soaked. And me and some guys are trying to redirect this this Colorado River with some logs. And But it turned into one of the best memories ever. And the students remembered it and we remember it. And it was a terrible night's sleep, but you sleep. (laughs) You sleep later. That's 
It's cool. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the podcast. I enjoyed this conversation, and I'm sure the podcast listeners will enjoy it as well. It's a lot so, of fun. thank you for coming. Thanks for having me.